Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Last night's matchup, the Monday night tilt we knew coming in, it was going to be a really interesting game. Rams and cards. It can be summed up in a single quote from Rams head coach Sean McVay. My initial reaction was, you got to be me. My initial reaction was, quote, you got to be bleeping me. You got to be me. What's he talking about? He's talking about his reaction when he found out that he'd be missing a bleep load of players for the game. And then everybody else's reaction when the country saw exactly how the Rams showed up last night without that bleep ton of players. Because if there was ever a night where they were going to lay down, ever a night for them to quit, ever a night for them to mail it in, it was last night on the road against the best team in the league in prime time, missing six guys, including five guys who started for them, including Jalen Ramsey. Tyler Higby and Daryl Henderson. I'm telling you, you go into a game like that, a huge divisional game, missing a quarter of your starting lineup, generally that's a problem. Generally, it's a huge problem. Except last night for the Rams, it was not. Now, I would imagine they probably had to change their game plan several times. I'm guessing you do not want to go into a game against Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins without Jalen Ramsey. Yet somehow, someway, they made it work. Like they had their backs to the wall and they come out swinging. They took it right to Arizona and it was Arizona who melted down, not the Rams. Like that was an enormous opportunity. And by the way, a big break for the Cards, and yet they could not take advantage of it. They're playing at home against a team that's depleted. You get that win. You maintain the best record in the league. You keep your foot on the accelerator. But they did none of that. They were sloppy. They had dumb penalties. They made dumb decisions. They paid the price. More on the Cards in a minute, because right now I want to talk about the Rams. The Rams earned it. They show up in December missing all those pieces, and yet somehow, some way, they look better than they've looked in quite some time. In fact, they look much better. They look like the old Rams. And by the old Rams, I mean the Rams of September. Matthew Stafford was lighting it up. They were eating up yardage on the ground. Aaron Donald was being the superhuman bully that he is. Like, I don't know why they haven't done this yet, but Aaron Donald should have an ISO cam throughout every single game. There should be a Donald cam that is focused only on him and the physical and emotional distress that he causes offensive linemen and quarterbacks because that was on full display once again last night. My man slapping roller skates on Arizona's Max Garcia, which is pretty absurd when you consider Garcia outweighs Donald by roughly 30 pounds. Yet 99 is just out there ragdolling this guy, driving him back right into Kyler Murray's lap and making everybody's life miserable. Here is my reaction to watching Aaron Donald last night. You got to be me. I think we all thought that. You got to be bleeping me. You got to be me. And then how about Odell Beckham Jr.? OBJ shows up huge. He had the first TD of the game last night. Back to pass, Stafford. Line drive throw, sidearm. Caught by Beckham. 
three yards deep in the end zone on a shallow cross. Got the ball, two-yard touchdown pass, and Stafford came from the side with a sidearm throw, and he's just given the Rams their first lead, 6-3 to three over Arizona. I don't need to say it. When you hear that voice, you already know, but that is Westwood 1. Then he set up the field goal before halftime when he did this. From their own 36, Stafford waiting for Beckham to come across and rip off the big game. Odell Beckham Jr. eventually forced out by Baker. That's ESPN. Odell Beckham Jr. three straight weeks with a TD, three straight weeks with a play of 25 yards or more. So, like, I'm not going to say this guy's all the way back to dominating games, but L.A., L.A. gets a big lift from him. Now, of course, they do already have Cooper Cup going for 13 receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown. My man's out there looking like he's crazy legs Hirsch or something. As long as we're talking about that Cup touchdown, how about a word on Matthew Stafford for a minute and that dime that he threw? Stafford rolling to his right and throwing that way and snuck it in for Cooper Cup. Touchdown for the Rams. That was so much more Stafford than Gofford. And there's only one way to react to a dime like that. You got to be me. Right? Because that was about as perfect a pass as you can throw. There are not very many guys that can throw that ball. Perfectly threaded and a sign of supreme confidence. And on top of that, do not sleep on this bomb. Under center, Stafford fakes the handoff, drops back, rolls to the near side, cocks his arm, goes deep, long, spiral down the middle, got Jefferson! Over the shoulder, catch at the goal line, touchdown Rams! What a throw! 52-yard strike! And the Rams have gone on top on a pinpoint throw by quarterback Matthew Stafford early in the third to take a lead. Again, I have no idea where the hell that guy's been in recent weeks, but he's back and not a second too soon. I mean, you see a pass like that, you see a dime like that, and you've just got to say, say you gotta it. got to be me. Say it. you got to be me. Let me go one step further. You see a pass like that. And you see a performance like that top to bottom on both sides of the ball. And I think that it's okay to say the Rams are officially back. Now, I know that nobody wanted to say that after that curb stomping that they laid on Jacksonville because it's only Jacksonville. But last night, they go on the road against the team with the best record in the NFL, missing a big chunk of their guys, starters, impact guys, and they still find a way to get it done. And it's not like they fluked their way to that win either. Now, it's time for a word on the cards. And not such a good word. It's kind of hard for me to say it, too. In fact, really hard for me to say it because I'm the guy who's constantly honking and hyping the cards. I'm the guy banging that drum every chance I get. Going back to the start of the last of the season, and even last year. Last night, though, was a really bad night to have a really bad night, and they did. Pretty much all of them did. Like, this is a huge, huge Kyler Murray house. I'm on record as saying that for my money, there is not a more electric guy in the game than Kyler Murray. I love the guy. However, my dude was uncharacteristically shaky last night. Plus, the secondary had some bad moments. The offensive line had some bad moments. The coaching staff had some odd moments. Plenty of screw-ups to go around for Arizona last night. Now, the good news is they played pretty badly and they still had a look. The bad news is it cost them the game. And they went from having home field throughout to being third in the NFC. Then again, and I'm a positive guy, then again, I'm not sure that's a bad thing for them. 
given how they play at home versus how they play on the road. In fact, weird as it is to say, I'm not sure Arizona wants a playoff game at home right about now. They really are that much better on the road than they are at home. I know this much, though. If the Rams look like that, depleted as they were, they are going to be mothers to deal with when they do get their guys back. In fact, they already are. And they proved it under the lights on the big stage in a hostile environment last night. And do not forget where the game is being played this year. Do not forget where the game is being played this year. Stewie, can you help me with it? That's right. That's right. Right up the road from me in L.A. That's where that game is being played. That's right. What else is right? The Rams are getting right at just the right time. Am I right, Stewie? That's right. Am I right? That's right. Stewie, am I right? That's right. Yeah, I am right. That's right. They are getting right at the right time. Am I right, Stewie? That's right. Good. Just looking to confirm. It's the holidays, and you deserve a gift, obviously. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you are at work. What am I talking about? Of course I'm talking about the gift of an X-chair I love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I have ever used. And honestly, it is probably the coolest looking piece of furniture that I own. In fact, it is. Not only is X-Chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair. And it can either cool or warm your back. Let me ask you this. Can your office chair do that? Doubt it. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here's X-Chair's holiday gift for you. Save $100 off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com right now. That is the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save. That's xchairrome.com. He is Vincent Goodwill. Vincent, what's cracking, man? How are you? I'm doing good, Jim. How are you, man? You braving that weather out there. Dude, like I said, I'm a warrior, man. I'm just built for it. I get wet. It doesn't matter. It rains on me. It doesn't matter. Dude, none, none of us are built for it out here, man. We're soft. But yeah, we're good. <laughs> Thanks for checking in on me, dude. I appreciate it. Let me ask you about Steph Curry. Let me start right there. He had five threes last night in that win over the Pacers, which means he is now two threes away from breaking Ray Allen's record. You raised his point on NBA TV, but... How significant is this record now versus how significant it was when Ray Allen said it? I got an even greater point for you, Jim. How significant is it going to be when Steph retires? There you go. Because I think it will be a seminal moment tonight because he does it in Madison Square Garden. If he did it two games before, two games after, I'm not sure exactly how important it will be. When Ray Allen set the record, I think it was a TNT game at the Garden against the Lakers. It just so happened to play that way you know, to be something that we all kind of remember where, you know, he caught, caught the ball on the break, hit the three, game stopped, all this type of stuff. Tonight is going to mean something, but this could wind up, Jim, being one of those records that is like John Stockton's assist record or John Stockton's steals record where it's so far off in the distance that whoever may approach breaking it 
probably isn't playing basketball right now. Probably is barely an embryo right mm. now. I think it's going to be that far away, and I think that's going to speak to the significance of it because, Jim, you know, in, in the NBA, there's only but so many records that mean something from an individual standpoint, from a, you know, a career longevity standpoint. I don't know Stockton's long number. I don't know his steals number, but I just know it's something so far away. So the fact that Steph has put a significance on a record in a sport where we don't value those things, we value rings, we value a bunch of other things aside from raw numbers, this means something that speaks to Steph's longevity and his excellence. All right, so I think that's really interesting when you lay it out like that. Vincent Goodwill is my guest. Interesting in the sense that there is an inevitability to that record right now, but if we were to go back to his third season in the league, he was averaging less than 15 points, dealing with all sorts of ankle injuries. Did anybody anywhere see anything like this coming? No. I think we all saw Steph. When he was back at Davidson and, and he was, you know, the jersey was hanging off of him and he looked like he was 140 pounds and they had to make a jersey for him as opposed to him fitting into one. You know, and, and we think of that kid as being, oh, a nice story that made it to the NBA and he's got great genes. And we've seen sons of ball players make it to the NBA and make some level of impact. But for him to be where he is now, like you said, Jim, being at that point, and this was a second or third year where he's having the ankle problems, the hip problems, everything else, just seeing him be on the floor that next season. That next season when they took the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs of real vintage back then, to six games in the semifinals, we were like, wait a minute, this might be something here. And then two years later, Steve Kerr takes over, and it's like, wait a minute, this is something that we've never, ever seen before from the volume to the shooting to everything that comes with it. No, nobody could have foreseen that. Not even Dale Curry could have seen it, and that's his daddy. So if anybody tells you that they saw this day coming and his name is not Stephen Curry, I'm calling you a liar. Vincent Goodwill is joining us. All right, so on top of all that, so he becomes that guy. But help me with this. How do you explain the fact that in the second half of last season and this year, he's looked better than ever at this age, coming off injury, and he's doing it without Clay Thompson, how would you explain that? I would say it like this, Jim. I think we don't realize that Steph was really young when he had that first MVP run. He was 25, 26 years old. And that success happened so quickly because, like you just said, a couple seasons prior to that MVP season, he was having hip problems and ankle problems. We didn't see the stair-step process. So what happened was he skipped some steps. And then he had the, the unanimous season, the next season. You skipped another step, and then you kind of go through the KD stuff and the Game 7 thing and everything else. You kind of jump around a little bit. But what you miss is the maturity, the growth of him knowing his game, knowing his body, being able to test the limits of exactly what this is. Usually, to me, what happens is when we're talking about a player who could be seven or eight years in between MVPs. That means we're talking Wilt. We're talking Kareem. We're talking Jordan. Nobody would say that 1998 Jordan was physically better than 1988 Jordan when he won his first MVP, but there was something about him. There was a maturity. There was a knowledge. There was a sort of just this control of the game that he was a better basketball player at that point, even if statistically it doesn't say so. You just watch the way he moves, the confidence and everything else. I think we're seeing the same thing with Stephen Curry, along with the fact that he just genuinely loves playing. Like there's something magic-like about him in terms of him being just this guy that everybody revolves around. He takes joy from them. They take joy from him. 
And the fact that the league can't defend this dude without, like, grabbing and fouling and everything else, the only thing you can do is hope that he misses. If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports, and it doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little bit of action, right? Personally, I have my Week 15 eye on that Monday night matchup between Chicago and Minnesota. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager from straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic prop wager you can think of. The app is so easy to use. Everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry, so get off the sidelines and join in on the action. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Download the WinBet app on Google Play or the Apple App Store today. Put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Vincent Goodwill joining us. I was going to ask you about that. Like, he's a two-time MVP. If he won the MVP again this year, I was going to ask you how remarkable that would be and what that would mean to a standing in NBA history. You kind of just touched on that. But let me ask you this. Like, how do you approach the MVP award yourself? Is it for the best player in the game that season, or is it the player who's meant the most to his team, who has a chance to do something, or is it something entirely different? How do you approach it? I think every year is something totally different. Like, I won't say that I have some hard and fast, you know, rule. It's, is it best player who performed the best? Because for the better part of 10 years, we can all say that LeBron James was probably the best player for a certain period of time, but he hasn't won an MVP since 2013. And I can't name a year, Jim, where I said that he took the game seriously enough to win the award, even if he might have been the best player for a certain period of time or a certain stretch of time. So it's not just best player, and it's not just the guy who performed the best, because if that's the case, I would, I would have given Russell Westbrook my MVP vote in 2017 when he had the triple doubles and everything else, and I said, what's the difference between 31-10-10 and 10 and 31-9-9? and 9? If he was 31-9-9, and 9, he wasn't the one MVP, and everybody pretty much acknowledged that, and then the next two years, he did the same thing, and nobody gave a damn. So to me, it's not a narrative thing. It's not a story thing. It's about how you go along through the season, how you perform, how important you are to your team's success, along with that team being successful. Let's be perfectly honest on that end. Like, I would never vote for a player whose team didn't win 50 games. How valuable are you if right. your team ain't winning 50 games? So, th- so it's hard. It's not hard and fast, Jim. It kind of bounces around from year to year. But I don't regret a single MVP vote that I've ever given out. And right now, Stephen Curry is leading sort of the pack right now. Yeah, I'm not jumping in to get you to stop. I'm jumping in to agree. I, I've always felt strongly about that. Like, how valuable are you really if your team's not competitive? I mean, you're having a great year, but how valuable are you really? Vincent Goodwill is joining us. So what do you think about Clay? For instance, what kind of expectations do you have for Clay when he returns? What are fair expectations? And what kind of a player are you expecting to see? I think it would be really unfair to expect Clay to come in and be the player that we saw in game six of those NBA finals against Toronto when literally he was taking over that game before he tore his leg. I think you'd look at a guy with two lower leg injuries who depends on lateral movement, A, to get right? So if you're coming in and you're expecting him to play, you know, 24, 25 minutes a night and to hit open shots and hopefully Andrew Wiggins can defend those guys and Clay can take on maybe a second perimeter player but not be the stopper. To me, that's realistic expectations. 
And I don't think we're going to see the real Clay Thompson or whatever form of Clay Thompson that's going to be the best of what he has left. We're not going to see that until next year. But can he come in and not be heavily dependent upon this year because Golden State is so good and roles are set and everything else? And you can basically have those offsetting nights where Steph doesn't have to go two for 13 because everybody's loading up on him and he can swing it to Clay and Clay's wide open and he makes a few open shots a game. Absolutely. Like, don't expect a 20-point a night, Clay. And I wouldn't expect him to average 15 a night. But I do expect him to be a guy that you have to account for on the offensive end, that you can't leave this guy open. You can't shift your defenses for that second shooter on the floor because you're so afraid of Steph. He's going to be a guy that you have to account for, even if he's not a guy from Golden State standpoint that they can depend on. I think you're right. I think he will keep defenses honest. I think so. Vincent Goodwill is joining us. Because you're on a few more things, before I let you go, I do want to ask you, there have been reports, Vincent, of activity on the Ben Simmons trade front. What's your reaction when you hear that speculation? For instance, do you get the sense that we are any closer to them getting a deal done? You didn't hear me just yawn, did you, Jim? Yeah, I think I did. No, I figured, I figured you didn't yeah, hear me I yawn. Did. I did. It's Daryl Morey. Everything is performative with Daryl Morey. Everything is, you know what, let me see if I can shake out a few more real suitors. So let me tell everybody that things are really cooking and really heating up to flesh out the best offers. I don't believe in anything Daryl Morey does until it actually happens. If Ben Simmons is traded five minutes from now, Strike me down, Jim, and call me a dummy. All right, that's fine. But I don't see anything happening because I don't see Daryl Morey bringing the price down, and I don't know what the intel is on Ben Simmons other than what I've heard from a few teams, and that doesn't seem to jive with Daryl Morey asking for the moon and the stars for a player who's not playing right now. I'd have an easier time believing that the Brooklyn Nets would trade Kyrie Irving soon rather than saying that Ben Simmons is on the move soon. Could it happen? Sure. Right now, I got to see it to believe it. All right, so I could follow you up on Kyrie, but I want to ask you about Damian Lillard because his name has come up in reports involving Simmons. I mean, any way in hell Philadelphia could pry him out of Portland. And what do you think is going through Dame's head right now? What do you think he thinks or where does he want to be? I think Dame is a guy for right now, he still wants to be in Portland and see that thing through, whatever that looks like. You're talking about an organization, Jim, that's in flux from ownership to the front office to a new head coach in Chauncey Billups. I don't think he wants to be a guy that right now says, you know what, get me up out of here. Could that happen? Sure. But the Trailblazers wouldn't trade Damian Lillard unless he axed out. It would be a franchise-killing move. And I don't think that the Philadelphia 76ers, even if they get Damian Lillard, because Dame is having career-low numbers right now, which we haven't really paid much, as much attention to, which dates back to how he performed or didn't perform in the Olympic Games. So I'm not sure if even getting Dame Lillard at this form puts Philadelphia in a spot where they're the best team in the East. And I don't think that the top of the East, i.e. the Brooklyn Nets, are so far and away better than anybody else that they're unreachable. I just don't believe in a Philadelphia 76ers as currently constituted or even adding a Damian Lillard because I feel like they still have more holes than they have plugs to fill them. All right, so Vincent, one last thought. You mentioned the Sixers. I want to ask you about this. You've written about this for Yahoo, but there seems to be this assumption that if players get COVID, they'll miss a few games, then they come right back and they pick up right where they left off. When you consider the experiences that Joel Embiid and Jalen Brown have had, how accurate is that assumption really? It's not accurate at all. Like, you can take the human experience out of it because everybody knows someone that had it and maybe recovered 
and it's having the COVID fog and all these other things. Remember all the things that people had when COVID first came out and maybe they recovered from it? Just because there's a vaccine doesn't mean that the side effects aren't still severe from the, you know, from the breathing issues to the leg problems to having all these headaches. Like, it's not such this thing that it's just the flu and that we're going to get over. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. And as you can see, with games being canceled and the Lakers just canceled their flight out of an abundance of caution, this is something that we still have to take really, really seriously. And players have to ease themselves back into it. I know if a guy's asymptomatic and everything else, Jim, that makes it a little bit different. But if you have some level of symptoms, that means your body is fighting back something and you can't also be fighting another 250-pound player two days after you test negative. I don't know how realistic that is to expect a guy to be optimal in the immediate wake of that. All right. Go ask Joel if it's just the flu and if he just bounced right back. I mean, he's saying just the opposite. In fact, he's saying he was really concerned, really afraid, and understandably so. He's a Yahoo senior writer. He did cover the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. You know that resume. You know he's a good friend of the program, and you know exactly what you get when Vincent Goodwill shows up here. Man, just the best stuff. Vincent, appreciate you. Great job. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely, Jim. Always fun, man. Hey, let me ask you this. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you about a very simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle you hate and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content does vary by package. Appearing courtesy of my front page story, he is Ross Tucker. Ross, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. You know what's amazing about that, by the way? The Starbucks picture that I, uh, that I post on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL. I think like half the people thought that they didn't know my name and that like whoever was working at Starbucks just wrote me down as stud. Right. That's not what happened at all. When they ask for my name, I tell them my name. My name is stud because when they, when my, when my sandwich is ready, my breakfast sandwich or my Frappuccino, which is like a caffeinated milkshake. I don't like coffee. I want them to say in front of everybody standing there, stud, stud, your order's ready. And then I walk over. Like, that's why I do that. I think some people thought that, like, the the ladies working behind the baristas didn't know my name and just thought, oh, he's a stud. And they're like, oh, that's pretty cool that they think that highly of you. No, no, no. I did that. I did that because I think it's hilarious. Every that is time. so smart, dude. That is so smart. I'm going to try that. I'm going to go icon, legend, phenom, because you already took stud. Yeah, one time I even got I, – I, I, I ordered two drinks, and I had them put – Stud on one and muffin on the other. I'm like, oh, that's actually for muffin. 
And My so man. then they're like, stud, muffin. It was amazing. See, nobody's having more fun at Starbucks than you. Ross Tucker joining <laughs> us. All right, Ross, I'm glad we started there. But let me ask you this. When you come on, I love talking about life on the offensive line, knowing your background on the line. As you were watching Aaron Donald, especially the way he started last night, what did you think? And when you saw what he did to Max Garcia, what kind of thoughts or night terrors or whatever, what were you thinking watching all that play out? Yeah, I just felt really bad for Max. Really, really bad for Max because, you know, he's been in the NFL, I don't know, five or six years. He's a solid pro, but sometimes there are guys you go against that they're just that much better than you. And I didn't think Max played well. I didn't think he gave himself as good of an opportunity as he could have. And I also thought that Arizona could have helped him even more than they did. But there were even times, Jim, where they were sliding the center Rodney Hudson to him to try to help Max, and he still let Aaron Donald go around him. I mean, Aaron Donald, that was probably about as impressive of a performance by a defensive player as I've seen this year. But, yeah, in those situations, I primarily just think uh, about how bad I feel for the offensive lineman. And I don't know if I ever had a game that was that bad. I had one game where I had a couple bad plays. Uh, But usually I think most of the teams – that I played for knew that I wasn't that great. So they would always make sure I had help in those situations. I will say this though, Jim, you know, most of my career, like I didn't start the opener. I was the guy that started, you know, five, six, seven, eight games, whatever it was when the starting center or guard or whatever got hurt. And so what they used to do is you'd be playing and like, we're playing the giants. And it's my first start for the Buffalo bills, 2003. The first third and long, they moved Strahan over me. Mm. You know, they, you know, during the week they decided I was the, uh, I was the weak link. I was the guy they gave the bullseye to. I was the guy, right? Like I was the guy that they were going to go after. Let me tell you, you want to know what a bad feeling is when it's third and long and you're getting your first start for a new team for the Buffalo Bills, and they move Strahan over you. Not only is it a bad feeling for that play. But then you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm the guy. Like, this is going to be all game. Like, they, I am the guy that they know is the mismatch that they want to take advantage of. That's a bad feeling, especially when you're like, you got an ego. You're an NFL player, but you're, you're the weak link. So how did it go, Ross? What happened that day? You know what? I actually did okay. Thankfully, the Giants secondary was so bad that Bledsoe was able to get rid of the ball pretty quickly and they slid to me a little bit to help me and Strahan wasn't as comfortable rushing inside um so thankfully it wasn't that bad we won the game and I was able to kind of hang in there he got a couple pressures but he didn't get a sack and yeah I I, I held my own Of course. Ross Tucker joining us. You mentioned Bledsoe. I actually had him on my podcast last week Ross I love the guy what was he like to play with and block for Incredible. Yep. Um, yep. Incredible. Now, he was a unique quarterback in the sense that he, he did not move at all. I mean, he was, he was old school in that regard. And at times we would get frustrated because he would hold on to the ball a little bit too long. But here's the thing. There were times when he'd hold on to it a little too long and then rip like a 40-yard throw, you know, for a completion. So you got to take the good with the bad there. He was also – I don't know if I ever told this before – he was also the most generous guy I ever played with in the NFL. Seven yeah. years. So I started uh, in 03 and 04 for Buffalo. 
in 03, Jim, he gave us uh, plane tickets, 1500 bucks each, you know, two of them. So when my wife and I got married, we want to go to honey, uh, Hawaii for a honeymoon, boom, we used the Bledsoe tickets. And then the next year, he would give us 500 bucks cash every game we didn't give up any sacks. So we had a great run there in 04. And I'll tell you this, too. This is a fact. I don't care how much money you make in life. I don't care if you've got millions. When someone hands you $500 bills, it is sweet, dude. It is an aw- like, I, like, it is a great feeling. He would either do it on the plane, on the way back, or sometimes in the meeting. It was amazing. And that year, he got us the Motorola Droid Razor flip phone. Hell yes. When that was like the phone, okay? And not only did the, the phone was 500 bucks. He said, I'm going to pay the bill unlimited minutes for a year. So he paid our bill, gave us the phone, but here's the best part of the story. He, like, forgot about it. So Drew Bledsoe paid my phone bill for, like, three and a half years. I finally got a call from his mom, Barbara Bledsoe. I thought it was one of my buddies joking because I used to let my buddies use my phone. We're 24, 25. My buddies had no money. I'm like, yeah, use my phone. Bledsoe's paying the tab. So Barbara Bledsoe called. She's like, hi, Ross. Uh, This is Barbara Bledsoe, Drew's mom. I'm just calling to tell you that um, the gift, Drew's gift is over now. He couldn't get, he couldn't get his credit card off uh, of our accounts because he didn't know our social security number. Incredible. So I was like, no problem, Mrs. Bledsoe, and I switched it. But I guarantee you he had to cancel that credit card. I guarantee, I'm not going to name names, but there were dudes in that O-line, no chance they ever called Barbara Bledsoe back or ever took Bledsoe's credit card off. Oh, last part of that story, Jim, right after I got the phone, I called my mom and my mom answered like, hello. I'm like, Hey mom, it's me. Why are you being so weird? She said, Oh, the caller ID said D Bledsoe. I was like, yeah, mom, Drew Bledsoe's calling you on a Tuesday afternoon at four just to see how you're doing. Oh, my gosh, Ross. Amazing. That, that's one of your best stories ever. I'm so glad I said to you, what was he like? What was he like to play for? I'll bet you there's still one or two guys from that line that are still on that phone right now. And Drew's probably all right with it. And as a phone Dude, guy, let me hey, tell you Jim, something. There was a couple guys. That's back when, like, you had to, like, download, uh, like, jingle, like, phone jingles. You had to download games. There were guys, I'm just telling you, there were guys, they downloaded anything that cost money. They downloaded. <laughs> <laughs> because Dude. when we play, how about this interesting fact? When we played with Bledsoe in 03, 04, he had made more money playing football than anybody in the history of the sport. Number one pick, then the uh, Patriots ripped it up, gave him the first $100 million deal. Oh, yeah. Then they ripped it up again. Then Buffalo paid him. So when we were with him in Buffalo, he had made more money playing football than anybody had ever made. And still an amazing guy, a tremendous guy. And I want to say one thing, too. As a phone guy, I know that phone. I wanted that phone. I, I, got, the, I got the phone. I love the phone, but that was not an easy phone to get. That was the kind of phone that I'd walk around and kids would come up like, yo, man, he's got a razor. Yo, that old man over there has got a razor. I mean, that phone was the phone, so I get it. Ross, I mean, here's the thing. 
that story about Drew was as good as your analysis is on everything. It kind of took up the entire segment, and it was still an amazing segment because what you understand, Ross, and you figured this out early on as a media person, anecdotes rule, stories rule. So let me ask you about this. It's the holidays. You got to hit me up. My front page story. Why is this the best gift ever? Well, no, here's, it is, but I need to tell you something. A couple weeks ago, you asked me about it, and I told you about it. There was like at least 30 people that ordered stories at myfrontpagestory.com for the holidays. It, you, first of all, your listeners are amazing. Secondly, any business listening right now, you need to advertise on the Jim Rome Show. Oh, man. I have proof that Jim delivers. All I did was tell you about how awesome it is to give people a story about them that looks amazing at myfrontpagestory.com, and you made it rain for my small business, Jim. <laughs> Literally, you're a legend, and every if you're a company listening right now and you don't advertise on Jim's show, you're doing it wrong. I go on a lot of shows. Nobody delivers. Nobody converts like Jim Rome. Dude, my, what an amazing thing to say, Ross, and I love you for it. Thank you so much. For those who do not understand the value proposition or even exactly what it is, what is my front page story? Yeah, so it literally, it's uh, you talk to one of our writers for 10 minutes, or you can do an email interview if you want. They write the most unbelievable story about your wife or your mom or your dad, whoever. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's framed. It's beautiful. Just go to the website myfrontpagestory.com. You can see what it looks like. But here's the key. I told you this before, Jim. To, to say to somebody, I wanted something special for you, so I had a story written about you, like that is mind-blowingly powerful. Like your, your wife or your mom will be like, wait, you, you, you had a story written about me? They'll be confused. And then when they actually read it, and you're like, listen, I just don't ever tell her enough how much I appreciate the little things that she does for me. Jim, I don't know why. But that's all you have to say is that line, and she will cry. Your wife, your mom, she's like, he, he gets it. He gets it. Like, she will cry. <laughs> you will win. Myfrontpagestory.com. And that's what we are. We're winners. Head is a winner. I was listening yesterday. Jim, you're a winner. I'm a winner. And everybody gets a story from myfrontpagestory.com is a winner. Win. Alvi, win. 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 We're all winners. I'm a winner. Ross is a winner. Ted is a winner. My front page story. The best thing about this, it is so different. They will know you put thought into it. They will know that you did not go through the motions. They will know that you found something unique. My front page story. Speaking of unique, Ross Tucker, nobody better. Ross, I love you, man. I mean that sincerely. Thank you very much. Great to have you on. My front page story is the reason Ross came on and our friendship. Ross, thanks so much, dude. Great job. My pleasure, man. I was listening a long time yesterday. I was loving it. Your, your points about betting and having some skin in the game, it was awesome. It was a great listening yesterday. My Even man, though the phone always. was down or whatever, amazing. So you're hanging out with a few friends, putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many, and as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you're thinking of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You figure, I got this. I can make it home okay. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway, right? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk, 
The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. If you think that's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead and get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Listen, when I get a phone call from Niagara Falls, vacation spot, I got to go there. Diane. Hey, Diane, what's going on? Hi, Jim. Congratulations to the G-Man. Getting black type in the King Gloria Stakes. Two-turn mile. Good for him. About the big boy, Diane, getting some black type. You understand how important that is. And without you and me running off all the listeners, Diane, you know how important it is because that was the family, the family that we've tried to breed for more than a decade right now. So that was pretty neat. That felt good. Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not sure if you realize, Jim, but when um, the G-Man won King Glorious, there was a horse called Slow Down Andy who was defeated by Phineas, who, who uh, the G-Man defeated. In his race? Oh, yes. Well, Slowdown Andy beat Messier and Barossa, who were two of the highest regarded two-year-olds this year. So he's, in a, he's in a grade, he's in a a grade two, in a grade two, in an grade, open company. Yep. Oh, I'm well aware of this. Exactly. This exactly. flatters the G-man. I'll tell you, you got a blue hunt in, the, in, uh, in that little gidget girl. Don't let anybody buy her from you. You're going to be getting offers. And I'm not kidding. And you got to up the... Uh, um, Straight fire stunt feed, and it'll help pay for Jake's college. You are the best, Diane. <laughs> you are so good. Before I let you go, is there anything else? Because you were just nailing it like bam, bam, bam. That is all true. <laughs> what you're saying, you know, you'll well, like this. James Kelly's the only one liking this more than me is James Kelly. You know, Diane, Richie Baltus has said to me, he goes, Don't you sell that mare. Don't you sell that mare. That mare is nice. Oh, yeah. And remember, she's unraced. She's unraced. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. took a flyer on her. But the thing is, um, Straight Up G's got AP Indy, bottom and top, and I'm going to send you a link to AP Indy's uh, Breeders' Cup Classic win. He, he just reminds me of him so much. But, okay, so here's a quick, here's a quick gift to, uh, to you, to Team Baltus, and to uh, Jungle Racing. I got three names for you. Head to Vegas. Get that, get that, James Kelly. Head to Vegas. Have a take. And my favorite, and all you'll have to do is get permission, is Muscleman. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. That would be good. I like that a lot. Hey, Diane, really quickly, since you've looked at the pedigree, you know, there was a lot, a lot of criticism and skepticism about whether or not he could get that second turn, and he did, and he ran out and galloped out nicely. Like, how far do you think he can go? He got the mile. How much more do you think there's in there? Definitely a mile and an eighth, but he, I don't see why he couldn't take a mile and a quarter. I mean, and you got an excellent horse and an excellent excellent trainer and Richie and he'll he'll take good care of the horse and thank you Jim for taking care of the horse because racing has been going through some dark times and still is and when we hear about people like you true horsemen who love you and Janet who love the horse anybody has a chance go to the bloodhorse.com and you'll see a beautiful picture of Jim and uh, straight up G hey Jim how tall is he how many hands? He's a big boy. You know what? I don't know how many hands he is, believe it or not, but he is a big boy. And one more thing, Diane, you probably know this already. In fact, I know you know because you probably know as much about the horse as I do. That's a May fall. That's a May fall. Yeah, so he's a, he's a big boy. He's a late bloomer. Yep. He's got, oh, he's got so much more to go. I am 
so happy for you. Just think of the, he's replacing the, the tragic shared belief memories of December with the memories of his own. Such a great point, Diane. I, I, I so appreciate you, Diane. You are the best. Let me thank you for the phone call. And because you and if I don't cut you loose, we're going to keep this up. We are joined by Fred Warner. Fred, it's good to have you back. Fred, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Good to talk to you. So you're coming off an overtime win over the Bengals on the road in Cincinnati. Every win feels great, but when you go out on the road in December and win in overtime in a tough environment like that, man, how good does that feel? Oh, it's it's special for sure. Those ones, I feel like to me, they mean the most. You know, in terms of the team, uh, you know, the team's growth, uh, maturing as a team, kind of getting it when it's when it's grimy, when it's hard. Uh, in those conditions, in a hostile environment, I mean that's that's what's going to lead us uh, to doing big things later on in the season. So uh, it was it was a huge win for for the team. Yeah, Fred, it's not the most important thing, but I'm kind of curious. Like you take the coin toss pretty seriously. It seemed evident <laughs> to me on Sunday. Like, what's your approach to the toss? How do you go into that? <laughs> well, I'm 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 usually a tails never fails guy. You know, uh, we 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 call tails, but to start the game, I think Jimmy Ward called it called tails lost. And so, you know, going out there the second time around, I'm like, oh, okay, well, of course, 50-50 chance, got to call tails again. There's no way that it's going to fail me. And, of course, it did. Um, you know, so, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a funny little thing that I said after the game, how I take the coins off serious. It's true. You know, I – I, you know, I do take it serious. I love that. I love that you said that. And I'm a Tails Never Fails guy to myself. Fred Warner right. is joining us. So, Fred, you guys were 2-4 and four not that long ago, and now you've won 5 of 7 since. I'm not going to say that other teams might throw in the towel at 2-4. and four. Yes, I will. Other teams might throw in the towel at 2-4. and four. You guys aren't built like that. You're not wired like that. Let me get your thoughts. What were you thinking collectively at 2-4, and four, and how did you get it turned around? Yeah, well, we knew that we were too talented of a football team to, you know, to keep losing games. Um, I mean, it was unacceptable for sure. Just any time, obviously, that we lose, um, it, it's going to sting. But at that point in the season, I think it was just the players coming together and, uh, you know, kind of looking each other in the eye and saying, hey, we got to be better uh, as, a, as a whole, play, play more complimentary football, get rid of the turnovers, and we needed to take the ball away on defense. And I think that's been the biggest change, honestly, just the turnover battle you see that when we when we keep the ball and, and we take the ball away on defense, that, that we're winning football games. And so that's going to have to be the point of emphasis going forward. It's interesting. It sounds like a cliche, but, man, it's so true. The turnover battle is the thing always. Fred Warner is joining mm-hmm. us. Uh, back in camp, George Kittle said, quote, there's nothing more annoying than running a route, you catch the ball, you turn up field, you jog for 10 yards, and then Fred comes up and hits you as hard as he can trying to knock the ball out. But then he added, but I love everything about it. Let me flip that on its head. What's it like going up against Kittle? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's insane. I mean, the dude works his tail off day in and day out. You see those those crazy plays he makes in games, but I mean, it's it's routine in practice. I knew I knew he was gonna have a huge game because just the way he practices, and that's just been how it's been the last few weeks. And I mean, he's he's on a whole other level right now, and it's it's that's that's who he is, though. It's not something that's a surprise to anyone in the building. Um, you know the the route running, the the explosiveness, the the griminess in the trenches, blocking. I mean, it, he's done it all this season, and he's he's coming alive exactly when we need him to. Fred Warner is joining us. I'm so glad you said that that that's the way he practices. Because I was going to ask you, you play as you practice, you practice, right? Like you want to go out there, and every time you hit the field, you want to hit the field with a certain purpose. But at the same time, you don't want to hurt a teammate. So how do you approach mm-hmm. that, and how do you reconcile that? Uh, it is a balance, you know. At the end of the day, we're teammates. We can't. You're not going to take a cheap shot at a teammate, but you 
there is a level of competitiveness and and uh, getting after one another that you got to have to be able to kind of grow as a team and, and get better as well. You can't just go out there and go through the motions. Um, there's got to be a little bit of that chippiness, that that edge uh, to you, because that, that's the type of football team that we want when we're, when we're stepping on that field on Sunday. Um, you know, and so I think we we kind of get after it. And you know, I take that I take pride in that to to make sure to set the tone for practice, um, and that just leads to how we're going to set the tone in the game. Hmm. Fred Warner is joining us. Fred, last week I was talking to Arizona Cardinals linebacker Jordan Hicks. He was talking about what he had learned from D'Amico Ryan's when they played together in Philadelphia. D'Amico was promoted to D coordinator this year. What's it like to be playing for him in that role? Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's the exact same as it was when he was my linebacker coach. You know, he's. He hasn't changed one bit. He's he's still the same, uh, you know, passionate teacher. Um, you know, just holding guys accountable, setting the standard, holding the standard. Um, you know, he he's the same exact guy that I've known all these years, and he continues to get better as a coach. Um, you know, and and hold guys to the highest standard. And I, I know it's only a matter of time before he he takes over a team as as the head guy soon. So uh, I'm happy for him. You know, happy that he's he's leading us. Uh, as a defense and, and continuing to grow. So, Fred, you signed a contract extension, a serious extension with the team in the offseason. I mean, the money, let's be real, the money's it's, it's nice and it's important and it matters, but how about the contract extension in itself and what it represents above and beyond the actual dollar amount? How much pride is there? And, in fact, what does that represent to get an opportunity and extension like that? Well, yeah, I mean, it represents just the team's belief in me, uh, you know, going forward, belief in what I'm what I'm going to do going forward um, as a player for this team. And, you know, I guess that, that just means that I represent everything that they want in the team and, you know, just as a leader, as a player. And, you know, they, they extended me based off of my what I'm going to do, not off of what I've done, you know. And uh, I do take pride in that. I, I hold myself to a very high standard and, and want to achieve all the things that I that I'm, you know, setting out for and that the team expects of me. So that's why I do grind so hard. I work so hard to, you know, to continue to grow as a player, you know, in, in this league. And I know I have a long way to go, and I'm, I'm just going to continue to stay humble and keep my head down and keep working. So, Fred, when you talk about guys who put in the time and guys who grind and guys who set the tone, and you talked about Kittle, you talk about yourself. How about Debo Samuel? Like, I, I, I'm on the outside looking in, but, man, I just see a guy that is so tough, that plays so hard, that is so physical. Is he one of those guys, I would imagine, that also sets the tone in practice and in games? And if so, how? Oh, 100%. I mean, you, you see how many ways that we're using him as a weapon on on offense. Uh, I mean, there's a couple games in there where we had to throw him in at, at a return as returner because he's just such a weapon for us that, he, you know, we, we want to put him in positions to help the team win games. Um, you know, but I, I'd say the same exact thing. You see the guy working his tail off in practice, and it translates to games. So, um, you know, he is the tone setter out there for us on, on offense and uh, in all different types of ways, running the football, uh, catching it, all, all types of things. So he's he been having a heck of a year. Hey Fred, I think it's really interesting, obviously, the quarterback situation in that you've got the heir apparent in Trey Lance, who, you know, we I think it's pretty certain that he's going to get a shot at some point whenever he's ready. But in Jimmy G, you get a guy who's been really solid, who's been there a number of years, that's won a lot of football games. You know, in terms of what he brings to it, Jimmy G, does the team collectively rally around him? And is he seen as the guy, that, that face of the franchise guy right now? How does the team respond to him? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I think all the talk outside of the building is is – is one thing, you know, people are going to say whatever they want. And that's just, that's just how it goes for all all life and eternity of football, right? Um, I think inside the building, 
he's our guy. Um, you know, he's he's the one who led us on that drive to end the game uh, this past week. You know, he's continued to show up and show and and show, uh, you know, show up as a player and as a leader for this team. We have full belief and confidence in him. Uh, he's been doing a great job. He's had an outstanding year, um, and he's going to continue to to be better and better for us as we as we get towards the end of the season. Hey, Fred, your brother Troy is on the practice squad with Tampa Bay right now. You and I have talked about him in the past. How proud are you now of where he is in his football journey and the way he's approaching it? Oh, yeah, so so proud. Um, you know, I, that's that's my best friend, my, obviously my little brother. Um, you know, the fact that we're both in, in the NFL living out our dreams. Uh, he, he's right there on the, on, the, on the verge of getting called up any, any week now, I'm sure. Um, he's, he's been working his tail off over there with them. And they've been saying lots of great things about him. So uh, just really proud of him and, and the work that he's continued to put in. I know the sky's the limit for him. He's going to continue to get better, uh, better and better and, and, and be around for a while. I can feel that love, man. I love the way you talk about him. And I know he talks about you the same way. I want to ask you about one thing off the field. You recently partnered with the Hispanic Scholarship Fund. You made the point that you were one of the few Latin players in the league. What does that mean to you? And how do you approach the responsibility of being a role model? Yeah, it was so crazy when I was getting involved with that. They were talking to me about how there's only like a handful, like you know, you can count on one, one to two hands how many Hispanic players are in the league, and I and I was one of them, and I just couldn't believe it, you know, that there wasn't really that much representation or people talking about it, um, you know. And so if I could be the one to for kids to look up to, it doesn't matter, you know, what race, um, what color of your skin, that you, you can do whatever you want as long as you put your mind to it. And football is a great a great place to do it you know and we all wear a helmet but at the end of the day like we're all um we're all individuals who come out and we and we put all on the line on Sundays uh you know day in and day out working our tails off so uh it, it was something that was really special to be a part of and not a lot of people knew knew that about me either so uh you know a lot of people learned that learn more about me throughout that process good more know now I like that you got Atlanta coming up to your place on Sunday final thought what are the keys to that game and the rest of the defense what are your early thoughts on that matchup well I think the, the, the one thing that stands out is Cordell Patterson right uh, yeah. that he's having him at playing running back I mean he's he's been a, a tremendous player in this league for a long time but for, for you know this year he's just been jumping off the tape uh, you know just as especially as a runner um and, you know, it's something that we're going to have to for sure be on top of or else he's going to, you know, he's going to be able to take advantage of us. And, you know, as a defense, uh, we've been playing really good ball lately, but we got to make sure we just really tune in on the fine details um, and make sure we're, we're, we're firing on all cylinders. He is a first-team All-Pro. He's a Pro Bowl selection. He is having another Pro Bowl caliber year. San Francisco 7-6. and six. They are in third place. They are at home against Atlanta. That is a CBS game on Sunday. Fred, great respect for you, and I really do appreciate you, man. Great to get caught up, and thank you for doing the show once again. Always great, Jim. Appreciate you. Good night now!